know, just to, to, to witness his presence, to be a part of um, a great church. I'm thankful for our church, and I do want to concur with what has already been said. A great big happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the house. And can we just give all the moms just a really good applause? Come on. Come on. Thank God for the moms. I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful. You know, here at Triumph, um, in, in, in the past, we've done all kinds of things for special days like this, Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, different things. We've had services where we just fully uh, focused on those holidays. Uh, many times in the past, even Raylene has helped, helped speak uh, during our, our Mother's Day events here at the church. And I don't know, the last several years, we've kind of come to an, an understanding, realization of, um, of these days. And um, although we do honor our moms, and we have, we have some special things for you today. We have some candy in the photo booth out there. That's always a fun deal if you're here with your family to be able to take a picture out there of that. But um, I also recognize the flip side of that coin on any special holiday like this is that for some it could, it could carry a tinge of sadness. You know, um, you know, you you may have lost your mom. You come to Mother's Day and it's so filled with memories, and um, it can be a difficult day uh, for you to to do that. I know I've now I've now gone through nine Mother's Days uh, with my mom having gone on to be with the Lord, and 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 so you you know you you have there's a happy there's a there's a happy side, but then there may be a sad side of you know, you may have lost children. Mother's Day can be very difficult for, for mothers who have lost children. And, um, and so we recognize that. We recognize that. So we don't um, totally focus on it, be, uh, you know, just to sort of understand both sides of that, uh, of that equation. And, and, and I really just want to start my comments today by saying that if, if, if Mother's Day brings a tinge of sadness, to your life. Uh, we're just praying for, for God's blessing on you and for his healing and for his comfort during these times because it, it can be difficult for some people. And we just want you to know that we're thinking about you and, and, and we love you and, and, um, and, and want to carry you. If um, it's not altogether happy, we want to carry you in that. Um, you know, I, we just concluded a series talking about how to survive troubling times, seasons in our lives that that can be hard to bear, and 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 so we kind of did this whole series on sort of just kind of life interest, and sort of you know wasn't necessarily theologically deep, it, it just really just kind of addressing concerns in life, and and you know and the Bible talks about the pastor, kind of there's um, reference to pastor being the shepherd and. And um, the people being sheep, um, just in a biblical connotation. What, what is my responsibility as the pastor to, to do? Where do, we, where, do we, where do we take you to feed and where do we take you to water? And, and, and so we sort of spent a lot of time sort of on the hillside of life the last few weeks. Sort of, sort of rested there and grazed there for, for four weeks and... Hopefully you got enough grass, enough life grass over there to, to, to help you get through some difficult circumstances in your life. And, 
And so now I'm going to switch gears, and we're going to go to another pasture uh, for this series, uh, the series that we're starting today. Um, it's, it's not really as much about, about life and, and how to deal with life. It's more theological, sort of over here, more informational in that sense. And um, that's a good place to graze too. Come on, somebody. Can you agree with me there? Is it good? To, let's teach me something. Let's learn something. And, 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 and I really want us to learn something about God. Matter of fact, our series title is God at Work. And, and you can see the subtitle there that uh, we're going to spend the next four weeks um, unpacking some things about the Holy Spirit. And I think this is very important um, for us to do that. And I'm, there's going to be a lot of explanation here today. But it's really funny it's really funny to me that, that it's especially important in the Western church. You know, we go to the Philippines, and there are, there are things that happen in church at the Philippines that because they're just so open and they're so desperate for God, you know, I mean, if you pray for somebody and they fall out on the floor and roll around, not even a guest in a church would, ever, would think anything about that. I mean, it's just like, oh, well, they got touched by God and they fell on the ground and they're rolling around, you know? But then you, but then you come to the Western church, you come to, to our cultural context and somebody fall on the floor and go to rolling around and eyebrows raised. Like, uh, what exactly did you get me into? And I think that's important to understand that there are cultural contexts. And I think that the North American church cultural context has changed somewhat in the last 15, 20 years. Um, the way we do church a lot has changed. And, and I don't think that's altogether bad. Matter of fact, I really like a lot of the changes personally. I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad that we're not locked into a thing that we have to act like we live in the 1940s. Because I don't know if you looked around lately, we're not in the 1940s. You know, and so, I mean, I'm thankful for a lot of the changes, but, you know, change can be difficult for people, and they need to understand these things. And I think it's really, really something for us to consider when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit, especially in in the Western church. I think, I mean, it's funny. You, you talk in, the, in first church about um, just the way things are in the Philippines. And, you know, in the Philippines, if you're a first-time guest, they ask you to stand, and then they ask you to join them either on the platform or in front of the platform, and then they march the entire church in a line by the first-time guest, and they... They shake the hand of the first-time guest with the first-time guest standing up there in the spotlight. And I was talking to our, our Filipino pastor about that, and I'm like, man, that would, never, that would never work in the North American church. And he's like, really? I said, oh, no. I mean, the North American people, when, when you visit a church for a first time, you kind of want to stay in the shadows. Matter of fact, we sort of have to promise people that we will let them be anonymous. You know, that, that, you know, the, the, you know, we don't, and he's like, really? He said, well, then how do you honor your guest? I said, well, we honor our guest by ignoring them. <laughs> That's our culture of honor. That, that, and, and Pastor Roy looked at me with the strangest look, and he goes, 
ignoring them. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, if we ignored our first-time guest, they would be offended. I said, if we brought our first-time guest onto the platform, they would be offended. I mean, they would leave and immediately call somebody on the phone and say, man, I visited Triumph, and those people are whack. You know what they did to me? They took me on the platform. So, I mean, you got to think about it. Everybody say culture. Culture is an important thing. And, and, and especially when certain ideas concerning the Holy Spirit have been maybe misrepresented, if, if you don't mind me saying it that way. So, so for a starting point, I'd like to turn our attention to Acts chapter 19. It's very important. And, and think with me for a second. When we get to Acts chapter 19, you have to realize that the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 28, the book of Acts, um, it isn't like a one-month history of the church. The book of Acts, from the first chapter to the last chapter, is anywhere, most scholars will agree that it's probably in the range of, of 30 to 36 years. Okay, now think about that for a second. You've got this book of Acts that's not really all that big, and represented in that one book is, is at least three decades, if not four decades, of church history. And so it would be a lot like writing a book about one of our lives. How many of you recognize that if they were to write a book about your life, you can't add every detail? You know what I'm saying? Because it's just, there's just too much. And so the writer wrote what he was moved on by the Holy Spirit. He wrote what he wrote, and, and, and Luke was the writer. He wrote what he wrote, but, um, but we ought to recognize that when we read the book of Acts, there's a, there are many years involved here. And, and so by the time we get to Acts chapter 19, um, most scholars would say and agree that, that Acts chapter 19 was about 20 to 22 years past Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, where uh, the Holy Spirit fell um, upon the church and, and all those people were saved and, and this great birth of, of the church took place. And so we're, we're, we're 20 years, we're two decades past that when we get to Acts chapter 19. But what is extremely interesting, and I, I think we're, we're going to unpack this for a second. Uh, look real quick at Acts chapter 19, uh, 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, so now think about Corinth. The Apostle Paul wrote a book, two books, actually two letters that are books in your Bible, First and Second Corinthians. Corinth is where the church of Corinth or the Corinthian church was. And so while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Ephesus is where the book of Ephesians was written to in your Bible. And so, and so kind of gives you some context. And it says here, there he found some disciples. I want to stop there. This is 20 years past this uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit thing that took place in Acts chapter 2. It's 20 years past that, and it says here that um, at Ephesus he found some disciples. So he found some people that were believers. He found some saved people there. But now, but now look at uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 2 and ask them, it's very interesting, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Here you have disciples of Jesus who had been in the church and saved for some time, and he's asking them this very pointed question. Had, had, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
And they answered, and this is very interesting, they answered no. And then listen, we have not even heard, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. 20 years, 20 years. And you still had disciples, believers, saved people that hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And I mean, to me, that is extremely interesting because this is still true in the church today. I mean, after 2,000 years, there are still people who are believers, who are followers of Christ, who really don't know anything or if, if anything at all, not much about the work of the Holy Spirit. They love Jesus, they know Jesus, but they can't really say that they have had a real encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I think there are some reasons for that. And, and while we're letting me take a drink, if I hack and cough a little and if my voice sounds funny, it's because I have fought a cold this week. And so bear with me through it. I'm afraid that for many people, the Holy Spirit is categorized by bad theology and bad practice. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you, I think the Holy Spirit in our day, especially in the Western church, I think the Holy Spirit has kind of been given a bad rap. You know, a lot of people's theology on the Holy Spirit has been based on experiences Some of them they've seen on YouTube or on television that may, that may be real eccentric stuff. And, 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 and people blame some real eccentric stuff on the Holy Spirit. I mean, like for some people, they, you, know, you, you, you look around and you think that the work of the Holy Spirit... He's either going to make them wear a whole lot of makeup or no makeup at all. You know, some, some only think that the Holy Spirit is represented in emotional outburst. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I say, but I don't want to go to one of them Holy Spirit churches. People do the chicken dance. Years ago, we, we saw this girl that, that, man, it used, to always, it used to always trouble me when she'd start winding up because I knew what was coming. And then she'd start winding up and her, her hands would start going out to her side and her fist would ball up. And any minute now, she was going to let out a squeal and start spinning around in a circle and helicopter girl just cold-cocked people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm like, somebody catch helicopter girl. And I, th- I think to myself, is the Holy Spirit really into hitting people in the face with a fist? And I mean, I had to determine that, 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 that I, I mean, I could, I could blame a need for an emotional release, but I was having a real hard time blaming the Holy Spirit for that. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, people look at stuff. They look at these things that, that, that may seem more like a, 
like in the emotional outburst, they say, well, is that what the Holy Spirit does? Because if that's what the Holy Spirit does, I don't want any part of it. I mean, let me, let me say this and, and, and be very theological. The Apostle Paul, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, made this statement, let all things be done decently and in order. There's nothing in order about somebody spinning in a circle, hitting people in the face. You can't blame that on the Holy Spirit. There's nothing in order. Matter of fact, I've discovered something about the Holy Spirit that, that, that we need to recognize. is that when the Holy Spirit truly moves on people, He doesn't move on them in a way as to draw all of the attention to the person. I think there's something wrong if you're saying that the Holy Spirit's moving on you and you're disruptive. That's what the Apostle Paul was teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit, saying if it's disrupting things, then something's wrong with it. Matter of fact, he even said that that the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. And so I think that we have to recognize that, yes, there is a real work of the Holy Spirit, but we have to to cut off from our, our... understanding of that to the fear that it brings to say well well you know I don't know man I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff I mean what's really sad to me about that is that people are very comfortable with the understanding of God as father they don't have no problem with the with the 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 you know, the Father God, they like, oh, Father, I, you know, and, and people have no problem with, with God the Son. They, they, they embrace it, oh, Jesus, Jesus. But, but the Holy Spirit is the only one you'll ever hear anybody say, well, I don't want anything to do with that. But think about it for a second. Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't want to have nothing to do with God the Father? Man, I'm a, I, I love Jesus and I love the Holy Spirit, but I don't know about that Father stuff. No, you've never heard anybody say that. How about this? Boy, I love the Father and I sure love the Holy Spirit, but man, I don't know about that Jesus. Jesus makes me kind of nervous. You ever heard anybody? You ever heard anybody? No, you've never heard anybody say that. But yet, because we've tied the Holy Spirit to some of these practices that really aren't biblical. They're really not biblical. There's, there's, not, there's not a verse anywhere in the Bible that tells you to take off running and put a hole in the wall. There's not, a, there's, there's not one verse. You can't find one verse in the Bible that tells you to close your eyes and dance and step on somebody's foot. Boy, it sure is quiet in the house. But yet we do find the Holy Spirit at work in the Bible. And so the next four we say, man, if there's ever a series I want you to commit to, you need to commit to this series. Because we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and hopefully make us just a little more comfortable about the idea of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and among us as a people. That we're not so afraid that, in, that, that when we embrace the work of the Holy Spirit that we're... That we're that we're going to go off on some weird tangent, but that, but that we're willing to embrace the Holy Spirit in such a way as we say, come Holy Spirit. So in order to do that, we have to begin to find some answers. And we need to find answers when we, by asking the right questions. 
I want you to see, first off, that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Holy Spirit is not an it. And I also want you to understand that when the Holy Spirit is involved with your life, your life is better. There are two important questions. We're going to answer some of it today. Number one, who is the Holy Spirit? See, I want to introduce you to him in such a way as to take the spooky out, to take the mystical out, to take the sensational out. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we need to first ask, who is he? And then we want to ask the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? Does, is Helicopter Girl really it? Or is the Holy Spirit doing something else that's much greater? Well, I, I, like to mention, I like to reference the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Look with me at Genesis chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 1. In the beginning, God, everybody say God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit, this is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, from that hovering Spirit, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Am I back? Yes. The Holy Spirit did that. No, I'm joking. The very act of creation began with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And out of that hovering came the voice of God that said, let there be. And everything that was created was created out of that hovering. What does that say to me? It says to me that first, the Holy Spirit is a hovering spirit. And then secondly, it says to me that the Holy Spirit is a creating spirit. See, the primary answer to what does the Holy Spirit do is very simple. He hovers and he creates. But then from these verses, we discover that the primary answer to the question, who is the Holy Spirit, is very simple. The Holy Spirit is God. The word is very clear when it states that it was the Spirit of God that hovered over the water. So we don't need to be afraid of the Holy Spirit because we are believers in God. And we must recognize that the Holy Spirit throughout the scripture is God at work. Is God at work and he's hovering and he is creating. And I want to tell you today that sometimes that hovering and that creating is very tangible. You can feel God at work. I think it's very interesting just Wednesday night. <clears throat> we were ending our, our pray first session and, and many people probably don't know that uh, Dave Holford, we call him G-Paw, has, you know, he's had some concerns, and it's caused some, you know, there's been some health things, and, and we've been praying for him, and I don't know what, I mean, I just, at the end of that service, I just felt the Holy Spirit 
hover over me in such a way that I just felt like there was just a word of prophecy out to him that, that fear had to go and that, that everything's well and that, and that rest in the healing of God. Come on, somebody. And I began to speak that over him and began to have people gather around. They began to pray with Dave. And man, if, if y'all miss Wednesday night, you don't know what you're missing. I'm telling you, it's amazing in here. But I'll tell you that while all of that was going on, listen to me, while all of that was going on, I could feel, I could feel the energy of the, of the power of the Holy Spirit on me. And I, I did like this in my in my words to David, what I felt was a prophetic word to him. And when I did this right here, I had this sensation and it literally like, a, like electricity and goosebumps. And it didn't, like it wasn't at once. It was like a wave went down my arm. And as that wave went down my arm, goosebumps would rise and I could feel some, this energy go right out of my hand toward him. And I knew that God had touched him. Because I had a tangible manifestation of the Holy Spirit on me at that moment. Now listen, I've been pointing my finger here. I've tried all day to try to get the goosebumps to come back. It don't... I, I don't have that very... Do you see what I'm saying? That's not a normal occurrence for me. That's not something that happens all the time. But it happened in that moment. And I could feel the Holy Spirit flow down through me to him. And I called Karen this day. I said, is Dave feeling better today? She said, he did have a little more of a spring in his step. I said, he better because I had electricity on me last night. Sometimes you can feel the word. Matter of fact, I've had people tell me this after church service. Pastor, I tell you right now, man, I could feel the Lord in the house today. What are you saying? You're saying that somehow or another in this, in this flesh, you could just feel that something's happening. You know what I'm saying? Now let me talk to you real quick. I'm going to throw this out for you. He's talking about how do you then turn an experience like that into something that's not the Holy Spirit. Did you know that all happened to me and nobody in the room even knew it? I didn't do three cartwheels, roll down the center out of the church, roll out the doors, flip my way out to the creek and splash around in the creek blaming it on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could work in a very tangible way and not be in an emotional outburst. If I would have done that, that wouldn't have been the Holy Spirit. That would have been my emotional response to what I just felt. Does that make sense? And there's a lot of people that the emotional response gets blamed on the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's going, uh, excuse me. Don't become a distraction. Well, praise God. All right. Although there is these moments where the tangible presence of God can be felt at work in our lives. But can I say this, and this is extremely important, there are many, many other times when the hovering and creating of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not tangible. You don't feel nothing. And this is why it's extremely important that when you talk about God at work, when you talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, that the work of the Holy Spirit isn't just tied to what you feel. The Bible doesn't say walk by feelings. It says walk by faith. 
See, faith is something that happens when feelings aren't happening. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith when you got goosebumps running down your arm, but it takes an enormous amount of faith when you don't feel nothing. And there are many times, matter of fact, I will say more times than not, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life and you don't even know it except by faith. No goosebumps, no tears, no shakamo. danger with us equating God at work, the hovering of the Holy Spirit with our feelings is that we get, we get the idea that if we don't feel something, then God has left us. Well, I mean, my word to that today is what about the omnipresence of God, the everywhere presence of God? Did you know that God in his word has declared to you that I will never leave you, that I will never forsake you, that David even wrote, if I make my bed in hell, God's going to be there. So when you start talking about, well, I don't feel nothing, I guess God's gone, well, then you have a theology that is against the very word of God. Because God is never gone. Even if you don't feel him. The Holy Spirit is still hovering in your life and is still creating. See, what we need to do is discover a theology Theology that understands who and what the Holy Spirit is and does. I'm going to throw some definitions up on the board because it's going to be really important. I think it'll help us. The Old Testament Hebrew word for spirit, when we read that, is ruach, hak. You got to have to say that one, ruach. And um, ruach. And and, and the word, the, the original Hebrew word for what the translators translate spirit the original Hebrew word means breath or to blow. All right? All right? Breath or to blow. That's very interesting. Then, then we look at the New Testament, the New Testament written in Greek. And the Greek, the original word that is translated spirit in the New Testament is pneuma. And that word means breath, a breeze, a current of air. Okay? You say, Pastor, why is this so important? Because the original language talks about the Holy Spirit as this, as this moving, breathing current, this work, this action. It, 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 it's, it's meaning that, but the translators, it's a little clumsy to say, and, and, and the breath of God. Or it's a little clumsy to say the holy current of air. And so they use the word spirit because we understand that a spirit is moving but not seen. All right? Now all of this is extremely important for us because it shows that the Holy Spirit is God in action. That there is a moving, that there is a current with the Holy Spirit. 
And when we speak of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the moving, blowing breath of God's presence. And listen, when He blows, He creates. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. When the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground, listen, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. The Holy Spirit is the life giver. In fact, I'll say this, a church without the active presence of the Holy Spirit is really dead. A Christian walk without the active presence of the Holy Spirit is missing life. I think that's why Jesus was very pointed in Acts 1.8. This is 22 years prior to what we just read, Acts 1 and 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes into your life as that breathing, blowing essence of God's presence. That it's going to change Every dynamic is going to help you in every way. So as we unpack more concerning the Holy Spirit, can I say, as you stand with me, can I say that, that really in the heart of this pastor, I am praying with all of my heart that every one of us be the kind of people that are willing to pray, come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. In, 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 whatever, whatever it means. I know there's people on, on every side of the spectrum, perhaps, in the house today. There are people who probably come from a church environment that emphasizes the Holy Spirit in baptism, in power, in expression, and in and I get that that's where I come from. But, but then there, there are people in the room that may come from a church environment that, that you, they may, you may have been raised up in, one of, in that church environment that says, man, we don't, there's been, so much, there's been so much misuse of the Holy Spirit, we're just going to stay away from it. And I get that. I totally get it. I understand how people, how people can say that by the things that I've even said today. You know what, really, I just would like for us to all be seekers of that somehow or another I could spark a light or, or kind of start a little fire in your life to think that, you know what, I really want that breathing Holy Spirit in my life. You know, and I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let stuff I've heard stop me from at least praying and seeking for a greater dimension of the Holy Spirit in me, for a greater thing. I want that greater thing. We're going to talk we're going to talk in subsequent weeks about some of those greater things and what the Holy Spirit does and what it looks like and how it feels. And, and, and I think that that's really important. That's why I want you to commit to this series. But today I really wanted to, to kind of um, dispel some myths to say the Holy Spirit is not something you, you need to be afraid of. 
The Holy Spirit's not something you need to be afraid of. I mean, I know people have probably misrepresented, but, but listen, the Holy Spirit's his God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And that breath wants to blow fresh air in your life. Fresh air. Yeah. Would you bow your heads? If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need to recommit my heart to the Lord, and I want you to pray with me about that, or I need to commit for the first time, would you slip a hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you, call you forward, make a spectacle. Just slip your hand up. I'm going to just have the church pray with you together as a group. Thank you. Yes. Recommit. Thank you. All righty. Perfect. Now, this is what I want to say as well. I'm going to pray for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And while I pray that, if you raised your hand, I want you to just pray a very simple prayer. Um, just say, Lord, I, I accept you in my life as Lord and Savior. And I certainly believe that God raised Christ from the dead for me. If you'll pray that prayer and ask him to save you, he'll do that today in this house. Be willing to pray that for a fresh start as I pray for everyone. Here we go right now. Father, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that your word is rich and real in every one of our lives. And I'm thanking you right now that you've given us the opportunity to learn just a little more about the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is for us and what you plan on doing. And Father, I just pray right now over every person in this congregation that we would be open would be open to the work of your spirit that we would that we would have hearts that would receive whatever it is that you have for us and I thank you today that you're going to work in our midst and upon us so God I pray that that you will do that in Jesus mighty name everybody said amen let's clap our hands to the Lord because he's worthy I'm going to close the service day as we always do. We give you a time to give.